0: These tools are for you to use These tools are for you to use. Hey I'm Dave Marr. welcome to this is your Afterlife conversations with artists and activists about death and life. My guest this week is Maureen San Diego, a female female impersonator. She was just a part of the Drag Queen of the Year competition online, which was very funny. I'll link all her stuff in the show notes, especially her merch and her podcast, I Couldn't Help But Wonder Mama. Maureen's great. This was our first time meeting slash talking, despite, you know, some mutual friends, and we had a great time. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to everyone who listens, who rates the show, reviews the show. Those things are so nice. Um, subscribes to the podcast, responds to the newsletter that I've been tying into the podcast even more. That newsletter is hella immaculate. You can sign up for it at my website, thisisdavemar.com. Also, everyone who supports on Patreon. The Patreon is like my dream. That's the thing. So if you're able to, go to patreon.com slash Dave Marr. You get a bunch of cool stuff, including extended episodes, like the one with Maureen has at least, I think, 20 more minutes of stuff in it, and tons of other cool stuff. Live shows, playlists, all of that. So I want to thank my pigeon-level patrons, Katie Llewellyn, Susie Carroll, Kurt Chang, and Fred Fidewa. Follow me, follow Maureen, all those links, the transcript, all that stuff's in the show notes, and let's get into it. I'm talking to Maureen San Diego. I grab your and take it back to When I'm in
1: I treat Even the thing you love the most, you don't want to do. There's also like a name for that, which means like anything that brings you joy, like the absence of joy. I think it's called like ahedonia or something Anadonia, like that. Anhedonia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And anhedonia. And I used to get that and like it would come up when I had a gig, but I would say, once you put on the drag, you'll feel better. You you feel different. It's like the best version of yourself in a, in a way. Plus, you can't see my expressions anyway with mm-hmm. like all of the shit on my face. But it's like the transformative aspect. I mean, even if you're a woman transforming into a larger-than-life mm-hmm. woman, it's still that feeling. I mean, at least that's how how I I define it, you know, and it is, it is spiritual for me. Yeah.
0: Which is so funny to see, especially your character, mm-hmm. like, you know, that the video where you're like doing mushrooms and then taking a shit, it's like pretty funny <laughs> to hear, you know, and the way you're made up in like, yeah, giant makeup. Uh-huh. And, And for you to be like, this is a, this is a spiritual practice. (laughs) It's pretty, it's pretty great.
1: But it's just, it's such a good, it's such a good vehicle for catharsis because I mean, you can say some really painful shit. I mean, that whole number came from like a very painful experience and like, People don't always see. I mean, that's comedy, really. But people don't always see that when it's like right in front of them, like so obvious. But that's my way of processing those things, and having Maureen there to help me do that is like therapeutic. And it sounds like woo woo, but no, it doesn't. I, I, mean, I mean, this is
0: my this is my like wheelhouse. So this is, none of this sounds woo woo to me. I'm like. <laughs> you know, King woo. Woo.
1: So when people ask me, why don't you do more characters? I'm just like, you don't understand. Like it's, it's me. Like Maureen isn't a character. It's just a different medium of me. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's all of, it's all of that. I've been thinking a lot about like comedy and like, the drag I do, it's like taking that manure of your life, like all the stuff that like it doesn't look good. It's just the raw materials. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just a pile of shit, but it's very fertile. You know what I mean? And you plant a seed in it and it can grow into something at least interesting looking if not like funny or beautiful, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's totally. my
1: that's my philosophy.
0: What do you hope happens when you die?
1: Um I I don't know. I think about this a lot. I wouldn't say every day, but I grew up very very catholic. Okay. So for the first, you know, 18 years of my life May, let's say 14 because around 14 is like when I stopped maybe believing in hell and heaven and those literal representations but when I was young I had such like a fantasy brain and was in my head so much that I really believed in hell and really thought when I died I was definitely going there like 100 oh, 100- <laughs> Percent, like no question. I would sit by my bedside, I would kneel by my bedside, and I would pray out of obsessive compulsive disorder because I was like so terrified of going to hell. And that never really goes away. Like, it never, that like shame, that guilt. You want to think, oh, I'm an atheist now. I've worked through this. Nothing happens when I die. Obviously, it's a release. You know, it's like taking off your makeup at the end of the night. Okay. And then you go to sleep and it's done. And wow, I ho- hope I did a good job. Like, I hope I live the shit out of this life. You know what I mean? Like, I hope I didn't hold anything back and that I just had a good run. You know, yeah. I, I wasn't too much of an asshole. I did nice things for people. I made people laugh. Um, I was a good friend, all of that stuff. I am also a strong proponent and I think this comes from the Catholic stuff of like heaven is a place on earth. You know, the great 1980s song. Mm-hmm. I don't think, I think about people being like like, how egotistical is it to think, "Oh, there has to be something better than this <laughs> I mean y- yes, I will say yes, I mean, we have fucked up the planet a lot, but like when you look at nature, you look at the things that exist, you look at fried chicken, like you know there's a lot all of the
0: things that just naturally exist like that fried naturally
1: chickens. occur. <laughs> The, the fried chicken bushes. Yeah. There's so much good shit to be had here. I think I'm not cynical about life. I want to have a good one because I know what it's like to, to not want to live. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that sort of thing, you know, suicidal ideation and all of that. So when you say, you know, what happens when you die? I just think, okay, absence of life, like that's done. I don't know. I don't know if I would want there to be another chapter. I mean, do you really want a play that goes on forever? Like you want it to end. You know what I mean? Sure.
0: But then I think maybe the metaphor isn't a play. Yeah, if, if if it's a play, then an yeah, you an improv show.
1: It to end. You want it to end now. <laughs> if you're leading a bad life. It's an
0: even worse play. It's an
1: It's an show. even worse play. So yeah, I think that's my take on it right now, but my take is like constantly evolving. I mean, obviously. I mean, reuniting with people that you've lost. There's that aspect of it but I don't, I don't know. I should probably take DMT. They say like that's, that's where you really right. – That's the experience. Well, you died basically.
0: Who, me? Personally? Did you
1: have a near-death experience or you were just in a – I know you get asked about it all the time, so it's probably annoying. I don't get
0: asked about it all the time anymore.
1: Really? Uh, yeah. I, uh, where where'd all the questions go? I, I want
0: people to ask me about it a little more. I – um, I, I don't know if you would if you would call it a near death experience because aren't near death experiences don't they have to involve some sort of like consciousness like like it's 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 you're popping outside your body or you're seeing a white light or something like that. Yeah, I mean, mine was yeah. I, I almost they almost took me off life support. It it was uh-huh. it was a near death a prolonged near death experience, but I don't have any conscious memories of that time.
1: Oh, that's different than what I thought happened.
0: Yeah. So you more what so did you like... Happened? Maybe I can like implant that retroactively into my brain.
1: Well, what you just told me now, it seems like more so it happened to you. You didn't really experience it in the moment. So afterwards, you had to intellectualize what happened in like a different way. Whereas like a near-death experience... I just watched this amazing documentary on Netflix all about near death experiences. And there's a What's certain, Oh God, I'll find out for you. Yeah, I promise. Yeah, yeah. I can't think of it now. I think it's called after death. <laughs> I mean, the, So wait, is
0: it surviving
1: death? Surviving death. Okay. Surviving death. Okay. And all of these people have such parallel experiences. And one of my favorite stories is about this woman who had a brain aneurysm and she knew they were going to have to operate on her. But in order to operate on her, because like they couldn't have blood flowing to that part of her brain, they had to like shut down her heart, shut down everything for 10 minutes. You can do that. Apparently you can kill someone for 10 minutes, operate on them and then they come back. It's something they do all that they put you on ice. I did not know this was a thing.
0: I just heard about this recently, too. Yeah.
1: And essentially, she was over, she, during the surgery, she was over her body. She could see what was happening. She remembered seeing the tools that they were using to work on her, but it was like detailed things. Like she remembered the song that was like playing in the room, like as she was floating above her body. And she told her surgeon about it. And she was able to, like, match up all of these things that happened, like, during the surgery that she would not have known unless she was this conscious entity, like, above, like, experiencing it. And then she talks about how, like, she didn't want to go back inside her body. She was like, I'm, you know, I'm cool with not going back. And, like, she was talking to, like, maybe a relative or something like that. And they were like... Welcoming her in. So it's hard to know if that's something that our brain (laughs) is like powerful enough to manufacture or if there's something else going on and we're all a part of something bigger, like a singular conscious that we couldn't even begin to comprehend.
0: I would like for you to paint your hell just it can be anything but what would be the personal hell for you
1: personal hell for me if i'm taking from my like own experience is i definitely have like a fear of like not being able to hear not being able to see not being able to like feel anything like, you know, just an amorphous blob that like, like can't do anything.
0: Like a sensory deprivation sort of situation.
1: Yes. But
0: do you have your full consciousness?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like that, that's, that's so you have your full
0: consciousness. You just can't express anything. Or really experience anything.
1: Yeah. Like also okay. kind of similar to like depression in a way. Like where it's just that feeling like forever and there there's no way to like get out of it because I'm thinking about – because there's physical stuff like, you know, you could be like scalding me with an iron or, you know, like cooking my intestines or like demons or, you know, fucking f- – Fucking my ear, or yeah. something. But it seems like <laughs> you, know, you would like about it.
0: half that shit.
1: <laughs> I'd be into most of it. So we'll just say the sensory deprivation. But I did actually write a show, which it didn't end up being a thing. But it was called Maureen San Diego Goes to Hell. Okay. And like in the in the beginning of the show, I die from I'm I'm in a confessional and I have a poppers overdose and I die okay. and I wake up in hell, but it's like amazing like and it's like dark and dingy and there's like all these queers like having fun and we're like doing shots and like getting fucked and then yeah but this but that's that's different anyway does that answer your question
0: (laughs) it does so this podcast is based on my last one-man show
1: specifically
0: Mm -hmm. there's a part where i i kind of propose that in the afterlife you get to fully relive one memory only one you can relive it however many times you want whenever you want you're not stuck in it and it's not like all your other memories are wiped it's just that this specific one is the one you get to like drop back down into and move around in if you had to just choose
1: one specific or or a time frame
0: i think specific
1: that's hard when you take food into account. I know that's.
0: (laughs) Wait, how so? What do you mean?
1: I don't know. Cause wouldn't you want to relive like eating a really good buffet one last time? That's not what I'm going to say, but I'm just saying.
0: You can be, that can totally be it. If that's a rich enough memory that, that bears repeat livings, then absolutely.
1: That's true. I'd say, cause there's, do you know, like lucid dreaming? Yeah. So I like used to, not so much recently, but when I do like, like I've done it like lucid dreaming and at first I would try to control it and I'd always try to go back to like this one specific memory actually, like in my dreams, but it would never work and I'd kind of get there. It was a
0: real memory or it was a dream that you used to have that you were trying to return to?
1: No, a real memory. And I guess like the first time I ever felt like I belonged or like I had like a community or people that understood me. I mean, not to say that like my family doesn't understand me or whatever. The first time where I felt like the most at home and like the most at peace was when I went to arts camp and I was surrounded by just like queer kids and art and musicians and painters and you know they had this amazing orchestra that was called the world youth symphony orchestra and there was kids from all around the world that would come together to be in this orchestra and like they would pay for them to come there and like all these talented violinists from like macedonia and fucking hungary and africa like all of these different places like coming together because their whole thing was that like music was like the universal language and it was all sort of outdoors and they had this outdoor amphitheater i went there for musical theater of course (laughs) The, the 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 gay shit but um we would all hang out after we were done with like all our courses and like all our classes and rehearsals and everything we'd all like hang out on the main camp. And they had these incredible shows all the time in this like 4,000 seat amphitheater that was like in front of this lake. So the lake reflected the sound from the amphitheater. Yeah. And, um,
0: the lake was behind the amphitheater.
1: Yeah, it was behind the theater. So when you were looking at the theater, you could see through, and it was an outdoor theater, and you could Mm. see the lake behind it, and you could see the sunset and everything. And this massive orchestra full of, like, the most talented youth in the world at their instrument would, would play. I mean, like, so moving. You know what I mean? And I remember... One time we were on the main camp and um, the orchestra was playing all of West Side Story, like the whole thing. It was just beautiful. Like any moment, any moment where the sun was about to set and I was with all of my people, my tribe.
0: So you're surrounded by the musical theater kids, but you yeah, all those the orchestra show.
1: Yeah, and we're listening to the to the orchestra, and we're cracking jokes and like singing along and like doing bits and like. Okay, hanging, So it wasn't like a
0: reverential out. sort of everyone be quiet and and.
1: No, no, it was just you were immersed in like the beauty of that place. You know, no cell phones, mm-hmm. no anything. Everybody wore a uniform. It was like a really goofy uniform. Is this interlocking? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: okay. Nice. Yeah. Nice. nice. Um, so you've
1: heard. So that's what I would. That's what I would. That's what I would go to, for one hundred percent.
0: How old were
1: you? I was fifteen, sixteen, okay, seventeen.
0: Oh, you went multiple years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay, and so it's not it, is is there a specific year that the orchestra made a big impression, or it's just the cumulative experience of it, or is it the first year because that was especially vivid? Or,
1: um, probably would would be the year I, I turned sixteen. It all sort of like blends together, but
0: yeah. Um, and how many people are at these? these performances?
1: Oh, I mean, the theater would be filled with like, you know, 4,000 people. So we would be on the outskirts of it. We wouldn't be inside it. We would be like wow at at the camp, like eating ice cream and like dicking around and like that sort of vibe. But it just, I don't know. It was just so, so pure. Like when you meet your people, for the first time like your tribe and I still talk to a lot of these folks it's just it's so meaning it's so affirming and so meaningful to just be like oh I'm not like a fucking weirdo you know what I mean like
0: yeah what kind of weirdo did you feel like before you met them just did you even could you even comprehend the way you felt like you didn't fit in
1: no, I couldn't just, you no, know, I feel like from the beginning, like a lot of, like the first time I felt like any sort of like being proud or like self-esteem was from singing. Cause that was the first thing I got like affirmation for. Like I wasn't, you know, the pretty one or the popular one, or even the one that like anyone looked at at all. Okay. Like just you know, <laughs> like literally, just you weren't even just, the one.
0: You weren't even. A I wasn't
1: one. the one. I like would sit in like the crook of a tree by myself. <laughs>
0: <Okay>. <laughs> Some Boo Radley shit or something. Like
1: <laughs> you know, like I, I, I'll, I'll equate it to this. Like in the back of my mind, I would be like, "Oh well, I'm making jokes." Or, like, I'm funny. But no no one laughed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. No one laughed, you know? They were just like, what the fuck is wrong with her? She's an <laughs> asshole, you know?
0: Okay. And so then you meet these people.
1: And they're I like, can't. you're great. You're fucking all Like, we're all fucking best buds. And I was like, oh, my God. There's people like this in the world. Like, what am I doing with these bullshit people? Like in my hometown or whatever that I don't know, you know,
0: can you describe the qualities that these, that your people had that the other people didn't,
1: that my people had
0: Mm -hmm.
1: humor, irony, Mm. like, you know, unabashedly queer and unabashedly, dramatic and ridiculous and extra and not self-conscious about it and part of that was because we were all with each other you know like yeah. and had a common thing that we loved you know that was sort of what it was all about yeah like nerd We were nerds.
0: (laughs) What's your coma in the sense of some sort of event in your life, big or small, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: where there is a clear before and after?
1: Hmm. It's hard because... Like, I I don't, like, feel comfortable giving all of the details of it, but um, I was in a conservatory for musical theater, like I said, and, like, before that, when I interfaced with that art form, and there is just such joy and such innocence and such, like, delusion that I was going to be on Broadway and, like, all mm-hmm. this stupid shit, like, just mm-hmm. so much fantasy and just belief in myself. You know what I mean? Just like I really fucking believed in myself. And then I went to this conservatory and they just broke me. They broke me. They did not think I was worth shit. You know what I mean? Like they, the the teachers I mean, and even the students like I'll, I'll never forget one of the teachers sat me down. She was my acting teacher. And one of those people, one of those acting teachers that like thinks they should have been the next Meryl Streep.
0: Okay. So well, they yeah. become
1: an acting teacher because they didn't make it so that right. they can traumatize teenagers in an acting school. And she said to me, she's like, you know, you think people are laughing with you, but they're always just going to be laughing at you like, the way that you're going. And they just did not like me. And in the, like, everything about me that people had affirmed before, like, I went to this school, they hated. Like, all the stuff I just talked about, like, being at Interlock and that amazing feeling, you know, being with your tribe, all of that, they said, no, you're not doing it the way we want you to be doing it. Like,
0: and what was the Wrong. way they wanted you to be doing it
1: um i don't know cuz i didn't do it right <laughs> like i okay. i don't know like it was very it was very mechanical it was very much like and there's no formula to acting or like yeah performance for sure there, there's no fucking formula and they 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 cut me from that program and I, when i tell you like what that does to you. I had auditioned for probably like 30 schools and I got into several. Did you like, go to I one made those, that like decision. hotel
0: multiple yes. school? Audition yes. Things. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I was so committed to like getting the best training and being with the best people and just like had such passion for it. And then
0: And if it's a conservatory, it's not like you're also studying, like, math or... No,
1: nothing. It's pure, it's all, it's an all-or-nothing type of mentality, and, like, I, they don't tell you you, they have a quota, but they do, you know, they're going to cut a certain amount of people, but when I had my interview there, I asked them if they had cuts, and they said, no, we don't do that here, and (sighs) then... They cut me in the middle of my sophomore year and said, yeah, you're just not, the training's not helping you. Like we can't help you with anything. And then I I had to leave right, right before Christmas.
0: Oh my God. And I think you're what?
1: 19, 18, 19, sorry. 19. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That is so fucked up. Yeah. To tell an can you mat can you imagine right now talking to a 19-year-old kid and going, you know, you just don't have it. Like the thing you want to do, it's uh I'm yeah, I'm sorry you don't got it.
1: It's not like a romantic my whole identity was wrapped up in that thing, you yeah. know? Yeah. Wrapped up in being on stage in, in pursuing theater. So when that happened, like, and I had to go home and my parents didn't understand. They were like, well, what did you do? Were you doing drugs? You know, were uh, you like, what What did you actually do? And I'm like, I didn't do anything. I just tried my best and my best was not good enough. So, uh, but I could have just been like cynical and said, fuck it. I'm never doing that again. But I don't even know how I I mean it's I definitely do not think I would be like a comedian or the type of performer I am now if it weren't for that experience. And like this is really honestly my first time talking about it like on a podcast, I mean.
0: <laughs> yeah, right right right.
1: But um to pick and I had some amazing people that were at the school that were my really really close friends that tried to change policies for me. Like after I left and like they saw like, I guess the injustice of it or whatever that I'm still friends with today, but it's crazy. And then I went to ISU and they welcomed me with open arms. I got, you know, like it was just so strange. I don't know. Like it was like, I went to ISU and it was like, none of that had happened. And they were like, you're fucking great. We're going to cast you in everything, you know? Wow. Yeah.
0: <laughs> did, did Before the cut, did you sense it was coming?
1: They didn't put me in a position where I was set up to succeed, meaning that I wasn't getting like a lot of positive validation, but that was pretty normal for that type of environment for everyone but the person that they put me with was someone that did not like me <laughs> someone that like
0: the person they put you with like my was, scene
1: like- partner my my whole oh. so the, the dramatic thing is that like my whole career there edged upon a scene okay. that i had to do in front of the entire conservatory with someone that hated me and did not want to work with me for whatever reasons. They were like, well, you didn't work well together last year. So we're putting you together Uh now to see if you can work well with this person.
0: Oh my God.
1: Yeah. And they did, they didn't show up to rehearsals and they lied about it. They would say that I wasn't scheduling stuff. Like, (gasps) yeah, it was.
0: Wow. Would you remember the scene, what the scene was?
1: it was terrible. Like, do you know what an AB scene is? No. It's a scene that's like very vague. So it's like, Hey, Hey, what's up?
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Cool. Very acting
0: class scenes where it's all in the subtext and it's Meisner and it's yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And looking back on it, I mean, I'm going to be honest. This guy was a terrible actor. It was (laughs) like, he doesn't even act anymore he's not successful now. So not to be like bitter or anything, but he ruined my life. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. That
1: school ruined my life. Like, I mean, well,
0: it's so amazing that you were able to bounce. It sounds like basically right back from that.
1: Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. know how.
0: Like, so, it. so I, I take it like, at face value when you say they broke you but how what were the thoughts that went through your mind right after that that led to transferring to Illinois State that that got you to a place where you were yeah i mean did you just was it a belief in yourself was it a no. memory of the interlocking stuff was it a fluke what was it
1: No, I was, I was ashamed, but it felt as though, well, what else am I going to do? You know, this is my life. Like I I didn't have like the wherewithal, the, the, the force, the like foresight to be like, Oh, well, this is a lesson. You know, this is how hard the business is. So if Mm. I get through this, I'll be okay. It was more so like, I was told so fundamentally that I wasn't good enough that that stayed with me for a long time. But somehow I was able to like drudge up enough energy to be like, well, I don't want to fucking live with my parents right now. You know what I mean? Like I need to get out of here. So I need something. And Illinois State was the only school I went to or auditioned to for. Like and I think my grandpa recommended it. Like I was like, I could give two shits. And, like, luckily enough, like, as karma would had, have it, it turned out to be the perfect school for me, and it really brought me back, like, from the dead, which is dramatic, but it's no. it's it's true. Like, it may seem so trivial to be like, oh, you know, just this girl with a dream, she wants to be an actor or whatever, she wants to be a performer, like, you know, all of that, like, what? who cares, you know, but... I don't
0: know, but you're describing that from the outside, but that's not how you experienced it. You experienced it like pressed right up against the window. that was your life, so yeah, sure, you can dismiss it if you describe it in the most vague, dismissive tone, but that wasn't that's not true to to what you lived through. It was yeah. a fucking life or death shit,
1: yeah, that's what definitely what it what it felt like. And I think the thing that really made me want to move on was um, living with my parents for those six months. Okay. Because I was just like, this is horrible. <laughs> I need to like get around my people again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I need to be around those people again.
0: So when you were around – because it sounds like a very like yo-yo sort of – you spend your time at your hometown. You're feeling – Like a misfit. You go to interlocking things, you, you find your people, you're you belong. You end up at this conservatory where it's even worse than before because it's they're supposed to be your people, but they're beating you down. And then you end up back at Illinois State. Is it just kind of vacillating between these two poles? Or was the experience of being on the other side of the conservatory shit? Was it like now I'm with my people? And I survived that.
1: It felt like I had something to pull from. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think I had felt like that big of a, like a loss, like on that scale. So it kind of felt like, oh, I got something to work with. (laughs) Like, not in like a crazy, like, you know what I mean? Like, it felt like, oh, that is life. That is like experience, you know, that I can... Use so maybe I should be thanking them. Really, no, I would never do that, but
0: (laughs) yeah, I get it.
1: It felt like I have lived like more than most 19 year olds or 20 year olds or whatever. And like, there was more like trauma that went down there that I won't get into, but I'll just say like, I, that, like when you asked me that, like, what was your before and after moment? Like, I didn't even have to think like that. That was it.
0: I want you to kill one thing, just one small thing from culture or everyday life that you're like, if I could disappear this off the face of the planet. This is the thing that would be.
1: Oh, my God. Kill one thing. Mm. I don't know why this comes to mind. I mean, I feel like with comedy, I get very much like I would kill people being (laughs) – really hypersensitive to shit like that okay. doesn't matter
0: you're one of these uh anti pc culture sort of uh new york right wing comedians that's your No, that's, your that's
1: not me. Stop it. That's not what I mean. Um
0: you're like the Nick DePaolo of drag.
1: <laughs> no. Absolutely not. Um and it's all—all all society gets the benefit of me killing this.
0: Yes, 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 for sure.
1: Okay. I would get rid of K cups because they're bad for the environment.
0: Okay, so you're on—you're on some like hero sort of shit. Not—it's not like K cups are a personal problem for you. You're—you're you're just you—you <laughs> you, you want credit for this.
1: I'm just trying to seem like a good person.
0: Yeah, I'm talking about specific shit that for you, you're like, listen, this gets in my way more than it should.
1: Laundry. I hate doing laundry.
0: Okay. So what? You would you would want it so that clothes automatically clean themselves or yes, wardrobes automatically clean. renew? Okay.
1: Or, although this is kind of a big concept too- Like you don't have to worry about smelling bad.
0: Okay, so body odor.
1: Yeah, body odor. (laughs) See now, (laughs) that seems so. Y'all just say what have other people said? Because then, then I—that's what I'm thinking about.
0: No, no, no. You you can't. You don't need to tell me. I can tell you, but it's not gonna. It's just gonna put your brain in the in the ballpark of what they were thinking.
1: Can I think tell? body odor like is a great one. A total overthinker, can you tell? I'm definitely that.
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm I feel like that. I am that. I feel like even asking someone if they can tell is like an overthinking. <laughs> like, are you? Is it? Is it clear? I mean, do you know that I'm overthinking? Is that? Am I overthinking? Asking you if I'm over? Does is, the? It, is, is this? Is it obvious? Is this to you? making sense to you? Um, but body odor makes sense. But what about good body odors? What about like, you know, someone who
1: like piss? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't want to get rid of the piss smell. Yeah.
0: No. Someone someone like a like the the smell of a lover's t-shirt, that sort of that sort of like good scent of a person, you know?
1: We keep that. Okay. We get whatever you're into, we're keeping around. It's like per person, you might be in to like dick sweat. If you're into that, that stays for you. If you're not, it goes away. It's 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 uh, prescriptive per person.
0: Okay. Okay. So uh, like a subjective sensor of odor removal based on personal preference.
1: Yeah. Like you can control it. Okay. Yeah. I like it. Okay.
0: (laughs) That's the show. Thank you so much for listening. Please, if you like the show and you haven't yet, subscribe. Go to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Dave Marr. Support me there. Get cool stuff for yourself. Support Maureen. Buy her merch. Check out her podcast. If you have deaf and hard of hearing friends, point them to those transcripts. All that stuff's in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening, and have a great week.
1: Impossible, you can do miracles, miracles, you can do them, have faith, you are human, only human, and human beings, they do miracles.